You're not the mayor. Things change. What do you want? Ah, oh, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. think you'll win, do you? Things change. Meow. <sighs> 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 Welcome to The Fear of God, episode 65. So we are right in the heart of uh, the holiday season, and we are making our way, as we do every single week, uh, through more conversations of the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. We're making our way through a scary Burton Christmas. Last week, we talked about Edward Scissorhands, and I found that conversation uh, remarkably inspiring and poignant and uh yeah i just uh, hope you hope you guys enjoyed it too um who we are my name is reed lackey and with me today is i mean he's a big deal i don't know if you know but he is like direct sales operative by day starving artist by night he is uh you know a, a caped avenger he is uh, he's got multiple secret identities peppered all over the United States, uh, maybe even the globe. I'm not even sure. He's he's just he, he's a phenomenal presence in my home, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nathan Rouse. Nathan, how are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not gonna let you introduce me anymore. That's what that feels like. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah. She was on the other foot. Now, now you can't handle it. Oh, that's hilarious. So, yes, Nathan, um, when we were first, you are the one who, well, we, we kind of came to it mutually, but you're the one who put tangible ideas around, like, hey, let's do it for, uh, for, for Christmas, because we've been talking about covering uh, a, a later entry in this installment for a while. And uh, so this seemed like a good time. We were kind of debating about there were two in this series, uh, next week's and the week following, that we knew we wanted to do. But the other two were sort of juggled wild cards. We bandied about a few different ideas. And when we finally landed on this week's, uh, I remember, I think both of us were like, can, can we do this? 
Like, is this going to be, like, are, are, are we okay to do this? Are we just now making a movie podcast instead of an actual horror movie podcast? And uh, in thinking about it and revisiting the film itself and looking at some of the particulars sort of behind the scenes, we'll get into a little bit with Trivial Bits. Uh, I think we're... Uh, I think we're in good shape to to actually justify this film. So, uh, but before we get too deep into into the uh, you know the alleyways of of Gotham City, uh, why don't why don't we go ahead and take a moment, pause, and reflect? What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? <laughs> Tell me, Nathan Ross, my friend. Something that rhymes with two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, well, uh, here we are. Um, see, now what's... Happy the, holidays, The problem everyone. is my subconscious is actively trying to figure out how I'm going to, if, <laughs> if at all, uh, you know, meld that our, our, our lyrics with a Christmassy tune. Um <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen, just, just as an FYI. <laughs> my brain's a little too muddy for that right now. That's funny. Um, uh, so, mine would fall into the reading category. Um, my wife, for my birthday, um, a couple months back, got me a couple of books, uh, new releases, by outside of fiction, probably my favorite author, and actually he does have a lot of fiction, but Frederick Buechner, who I reference routinely, who... Some of his material has has developed a very strong presence in my own creative life. Um, if you're in Charlotte, look up the birth this month. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> maybe even this week, depending on when this airs. Oh my gosh! Um, so much work to be done. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have been trekking through one of those specifically called uh, the title of which is "The Remarkable Ordinary," um, subtitled "How to Stop, Look, and Listen to Life." Um, and it's a collection of um, some lectures he did in the late 80s and early 90s, kind of compendiumed for a new release. And, you know, I actually sort of like Stephen King, that feeling of not necessarily every single Beekner work I've read I love, but I just love his writing and his style. Sure, and his of course. Perspective. And so it's always this one. I don't mean that to sound like I don't like this book. I haven't finished it yet, so it's hard to actually assess that yet. Um, but he's just one of those writers. Um, I am curious if you've actually read anything by him. But he is one of those writers who, I have, regardless of the 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 wrapping of what the actual thing you're reading is, you'll just stumble on a sentence here, a paragraph there that are just these profound gold nuggets you know oh um, sure sure uh it's funny what just came to mind was actually we referenced in seven two months ago uh morgan freeman's line about finding diamonds on the beach like that's uh, what this, yes yes what reading beekner's work feels like sometimes like the whole piece i may not love it may not rank as like right my favorite right. beekner piece but it's peppered with just these beautiful turns of phrase um he is a very excellent just uh prose writer Sure, and that just sure. Really comes through. So I'm reading that right now. Um, kind of enjoying that. Uh, looking forward to that follow up one. There was two of them, so so kind of doing both of those. But that's where I'm at. Very nice. Um, so you have read something of his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read. Uh, I think it's called Secrets in the Dark. His yeah. collections of, mm -hmm. of sermons. I've also read the Storm. I've also read the um, the Beb 
collection oh. of books. Yeah. You know, so so yeah, several several of his fiction and nonfiction pieces. He's a he's a wonderful writer. I've also read Godric, but I think at the time that I read it, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, sure. and I bet a revisit would yeah. would bear more fruit in that regard. Uh, ironically, well, maybe not ironically, just coincidentally, my what you're watching, reading, listening to is also reading. Um, Holiday seasons beginning in October are always opportunities for me to reconnect with old favorites. Usually my reading habits tend to be throughout the course of the year, I'll try to, you know, uh, discover some new material, read uh, things that I've not been acquainted for, maybe discover some new authors, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, right about like the October range, I start wanting to get back in touch with with ones that I just already know that I love mm-hmm. and re-familiarize myself with them. Uh, maybe it's only been a year since I've read them, or maybe it's been much longer. But so uh, starting in October, I began to just reacquaint myself with uh, my beloved, uh, the late great Ray Bradbury, and started reading several of his short stories. I read The Halloween Tree. Um, I read. So I wanted to read. Something wicked this way comes, but I deferred to you, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass, and I'm gonna wait because maybe I want you to read that with me, uh, maybe at some future date." So, dropping the nugget right now, but maybe at some future date we'll we'll read that book maybe in I'll tandem. Up, maybe I'll pick up that nugget. There you go. Um, and so, and so then, uh, you know that 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 holiday frivolity carries on uh, past the October season. Um, and then around Christmas time, I always like to read uh, and reconnect with some Christmas stuff. So, uh, been reading the uh, the Charles Dickens Christmas novels. The uh, you know, Christmas Carol is my favorite book ever written at all. Uh, but then uh, also some Christian. <laughs> um, but then also the Cricket on the Hearth, the Battle of Life, the Chimes. He has he has five uh, sort of Christmas centric stories. They're not all. As about Christmas as Christmas Carol is, uh, barely even close actually for the other four, but they're all set at Christmas time, and and uh, I love Dickens. Are those others like uh, full full text? Or are they short stories? Like what's the? They're longer than short stories. They're the length of Christmas Carol, so they, so they're longer than short stories, but you can read them in a couple of hours. Yeah. So so they're they're pretty brief, pretty focused. Um, those are my three favorite writers, favorite crafters of fiction. Uh, is Ray Bradbury, Stephen King, and Charles Dickens, and so uh, and so, yeah. The uh, the holiday seasons are just a, a a wonderful excuse to reconnect with all of them for a variety of reasons. So That's so yeah awesome. yeah it's 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 nice. It's really delightful. I used to I used to read uh, Christmas Carol every single year. Like I used to. Did it keep getting funnier? Every single time time I read it. Um, But I used to, yeah, that used to be a a sort of a tradition. I don't know, maybe maybe in one of these series we can talk about like Christmas traditions and stuff like that. But it used to be a tradition for me to sit down, uh, buy a lighted Christmas tree with a cup of hot chocolate and read the text of A Christmas Carol beginning to end in Mm -hmm. a single sitting. Um, Having a family made that a bit more challenging. I would have to be a lot more intentional. haven't been able to do that as well. But when I was, you know, just... Abounding with solitary time, that used to be one of the things that I would that I would engage with, and it was always really delightful. So, so uh, that, my friend, has been another installment of what you watching, what wow. you reading. I'm impressed. What you listening to, Nathan Rouse? 
<laughs> wow. There it is. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> One stupid song at a time. <laughs> you wanted to do this. <laughs> so, um, uh, so we are diving back in, dialing back in to, we are in week two now of A Scary Burton Christmas. And if you if you look at the title in your feed, you'll know exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, and as, probably scratch your head wondering why in the world we're doing it. But Well, it's our show. So um, <laughs> they voted in Highlight of the 90s. We're voting now. So, <laughs> um, and we had to watch Seven. And oh my God, it's so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, so yes, we were sort of jockeying with, knew what um, half of this series was going to hold. Wasn't quite certain of the other two. You kind of... Uh, after I presume coming the the catalog of Mr. Burton um, came at me with this one and said it takes place at Christmas and that's really all I needed I was like okay cool let's do it uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are today discussing uh, Burton's follow up to the 1989 Batman that of Batman Returns frankly I just think we like to take the opportunity to just talk about Batman oh yes um, oh yes if you recall a year ago more or less. Yes, yes. Yeah. A little releases, over a year ago. Yeah. We talked about, we referenced heavily Snyder's Batman run as right. we discussed witches. So sure. We just love the opportunity to any, talk about the Batman. Any chance we can. When we talk, when we eventually maybe have that Joel Schumacher's Flatliners episode, maybe we'll reference his two Batman films. You know, right, like right. Any, any opportunity. I mean, Batman and Robin is a horror film in a certain measure. So Yeah, yeah. Know, well, we're, we're broadening the boundaries. So, you know, there's there's always the opportunity to say like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying I jumped at that part. <laughs> That should be included. I, I got startled once. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, but but no, sincerely, I think there's a case to be made. I, I'm, I'm not going to begin to build a case that it is a horror film. But for the kind of thing that we do, engagement with the horror genre and horrific things, um, I will make a case that uh, we've talked last week about how Burton has some macabre sensibilities anyway. Right. And, and all of that sort of falls in line. Batman Returns actually has a bit more of a of a leaning in the horror genre than than Edward Scissorhands even did. Sure. Um, well, well, and to be fair, I, that sounded like I was brushing off this film's inclusion by just saying, oh, it takes place at Christmas, that's fine. It had been years since I'd seen it. So in the rewatch, I was like, oh, this, like, yeah. there's not a whole lot of defense necessary, not because it's horribly violent or anything, but just because the 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 imagery, the sort of tone, that sort of gothic yeah. nature. I mean, and even some of the actual content. It's like, sure. yeah, this, this, yeah. we don't have to work too hard to right. build a case right. for this one. Um, I had a I had the opportunity to visit um, the convention Alpha Omega Con, the uh, Christian pop culture convention that you and I were both at yep. uh, last year. Uh, I visited it this year and participated in a panel discussion of Tim Burton's works. And coming out of that panel discussion, a couple of things that I learned. Uh, Tyler Smith was the moderator of that panel. Um, a lot of the, the statements coming out of that panel fascinated me, specifically in relation to Batman Returns. So a couple of things like some trivial bits. Burton as a director is very inspired by and his work is heavily influenced by a time period in the 30s called German Expressionism with mm -hmm. German films with like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, Metropolis, uh, Nosferatu. They're, they're films that are... Das Boot. Uh, no. <laughs> 
just because it's German doesn't mean it's a, <laughs> but so um, but they are uh, they're of a time frame uh, that is frequently classified as horror. Those films are frequently called horror films, even though they may not by strict definitions, be horror films. Nosferatu certainly is, but Metropolis and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari may maybe not be. But they're classified as horror films. There was a, a member of the panelist, and I really do wish I could recall his name. I'm going to apologize to him, uh, and I'm going to apologize to listeners. Uh, but the uh, there was a gentleman on the panel who was very well-versed in the history of German Expressionism, and he talked about how it was based on representing emotions visually. And... Here's what's fascinating to me about looking at Batman Returns. These were this was something that uh, a few things that Tyler had observed in the conversation. So first of all, the film itself, with only a couple of exceptions, is basically black and white. Not really, but the color palette is so right, right, right. muted so that yeah. it's basically black and white in many of its scenes. And uh, going beyond that, uh, the character of that Christopher Walken plays. His name is Max Schreck, right. which is the name of the actor in Nosferatu. And the look of Penguin, the general look of Penguin, heavily resembles the character of Dr. Caligari from The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So, so it has a lot of these influential touch points from German Expressionism, which again is, is frequently associated with horror. Um, a couple, a couple of other trivial bits that uh, some of them are just fun. Some of them are only in passing. So, did you catch who Penguin's father is? Uh, paging Mr. Herman. That's right. That's right. I have written down in my notes. Yes, my man. So, uh, so yeah. So obviously, Paul Rubens, who uh, Burton had directed in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, makes a cameo uh, in this. Rubens has showed up less frequently in Burton's work, but he does occasionally pop up as a cameo or a small role, uh, something like that. So that that was uh, that was very very fun. One thing that I, uh, I I don't know how I feel about this trivial bit, but did you know that? The sequence where Catwoman inserts the bird in her mouth is in no way simulated. No, I didn't. Michelle Pfeiffer stuck a live bird in her mouth and held it for like long enough to complete the scene and then released it. I was like, "What? <laughs> I don't know wow. that I I don't know that I would have done that. <laughs> That's like I don't know to be disturbed or impressed right, or right. both or or what. But uh, yeah, that was not a a a fake out simulation trickery that she she actually did that which i i find uh yeah impressive and a little disturbing but yeah uh that's all i had for the trivial bits we can dive well, right into oh no friend, i've got some oh. interesting trivial bits here that i think we'll all enjoy um again i you know let's never turn down the opportunity to talk at length about just batman um <laughs> So, just some interesting kind of casting stuff. One, Walken as Shrek. So, Billy D. Williams opted out. Billy D. Williams, Billy D. Williams is in Burton's initial Batman film. Opts out of this one. They as Harvey Dent, like they right, wanted right. as Harvey Dent. Um, they write in Shrek as kind of to fill, fulfill a similar role. Sure. Uh, David Bowie was previously considered for Joker. Wow. And then was in contention for Shrek, but opted for Twin Peaks. Wow. Uh, Fire Walk With Me, which I found just really fascinating. Um, there's a lot that can be talked about with, with trivial bits, but some of the more interesting ones. Um, one, this is some of the writing 
and the development of the the story, the subplot of the penguin running for mayor came from the Adam West TV series episodes. Two apparently two of them. Uh, one called oh. His Honor the Penguin. Wow, I think I've seen Dishonor those. Dishonor the Penguin. That is hilarious. Um, and then just kind of an interesting, you know, if if Dent had maintained the scene in the film where Catwoman kisses Shrek and tasers him. Right, right. Was Dent becoming Two-Face. So, oh, so that was supposed to be that. The sequence is cool. retained. It right. just has a, a, a differing effect. Um, That's fascinating. And, and additionally, I went to make sure that I didn't just miss this when I watched it, but Shrek was initially going to be a sibling to Penguin. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, wow. Uh, I think I do remember that now that you say it, that somewhere in the echoes of my memory banks, I'd heard that somewhere along the way. Well, and I will say, you know, it was supposed, the, the, the tasering of Max Shrek was supposed to, you know, spawn Two-Face. I will say that in this specific viewing, this made me sincerely grieve the fact that we never got the third Burton Batman film. Which was in development and was planned, and Burton had meetings on it. Hmm. Um, what this is probably still in the trivial bits arena. Batman, nineteen eighty nine, Batman was so successful that supposedly this is a bit apocryphal, but supposedly the Warner Brothers executives basically said to Burton, who was reluctant to make a sequel, right? Basically said to Burton, okay, but but they wanted him to because Batman had been so sure, successful, sure. so they wanted to follow the pedigree. So they lulled him back by saying, okay, don't make a Batman movie. Make a Tim Burton movie that happens to have Batman in it. And then, unfortunately, he does that, and then they're like, well, wait. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. But, um, but so that was kind of the way that they pitched to him. So then when he comes back in to start having the dialogue about the third Batman film, I, I think the, the apocryphal story is that he's midway through the meeting, midway through the pitch, and then all of a sudden just sort of looks around at all of the relatively quiet executives and is like, you guys don't want me for this anymore, do you? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, basically, you know, off the project. But there's some interesting things coming out of that, that potential third Batman film. It was going to feature, you know, Harvey Dent, uh, Two-Face character. It was going to feature Robin Williams as the Riddler, mm-hmm. which I find that that would have been very fascinating. Sure. Um, it was also going to feature the Robin character, which this this is interesting to me. It was going to feature the Robin character played by Marlon Wayans, which yeah, I struggle with that one. That is, it's it's one of those things where it's so bizarre and right, out of the right, box. Right. But but under another director, like you know, Joel Schumacher wants to cast Marlon Wayans, and I'm like, you are missing a beat somewhere. Right, right, right. But right. Burton has such quirky sensibilities. Right, and that such, it might could have worked. Exactly. Right. Maybe maybe he would have been able to pull something interesting out of it. Um, so, but yeah, watching Batman Returns uh, in light of, you know, time and distance made me really, really grieve the fact that we never got that third Batman film and that we never got Burton's uh uh, Superman film, his Superman Lives film. You know, sure. it's like you know those. I think he could have done some interesting things with with both of those uh, pieces of material. Um, but you know, but we, but we have these. I love Batman. I love Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. So so no no grieving there. They're 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 in existence and they're great films. I think they're great films. Um, well, we can. I mean, we can segue that into likes dislikes. So who knows if we'll ever get another opportunity to talk about. To, to fully officially talk about Batman, so we should just really go. <laughs> um, 
I, I am a staunch fan, probably apologist for the Nolan Bat films. Yeah. I actually really like Batman Forever. Possibly nostalgic reasons, but I kind of like it. I, I couldn't really tell you exactly why, but I, it does kind of strike a chord. I think it's a, I think it's a, an imperfect film, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I like it a yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah. But as much as I'm an apologist for Nolan Bats and actually really think highly of Christian Bale in the role, I love Michael Keaton in this role. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this will come out through our conversation. I don't have as kind a feeling towards Returns as I do towards the initial entry in 89, partly because I might right now, even though I'd have to inflate substance just to meet it, give it all fives down the line. Not oh, pumpkins meter. I sure. Like, okay. I, 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 it's, it's just one of these blind spots. I just adore that movie. Sure, of um, course. Yeah. And, but part of that is, um, is Keaton. Like, the... Heads up, everybody. We're going to Beetlejuice, okay? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So that's just just spoiler alert. Um, but watching Beetlejuice so closely to Returns, having seen Spider-Man Homecoming just six months ago, the guy's a hell of an actor. He's incredible. He just really yeah, is. Really incredible. In yeah. a way that I don't know that I quite appreciated sure you know what i mean sure. like yeah. like because he just doesn't do a ton right right so he's not out there a lot right but he was fantastic in spider-man mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely fantastic he's going uh, through a moment right now like sure. he, like he had his moment i don't love birdman but i respect oh. it sure you know? i love him in Birdman. sure 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 yeah birdman itself i i'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around but i love his I performance think we all are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes yes again and that yeah. the, my my sort of tempering that wasn't knocking him it was simply sure. saying the movie yeah. itself yeah. Um, but I mean, I just I, I think in a way that is surprising me, he he might hit one of those kind of top ten if you catch me in the right moment, top ten favorite actors sure. kind of right now. Yeah. Um, in large part, if you watch something like Beetlejuice, it it makes sense to me why someone would watch Beetlejuice and say, "What are you talking about?" Considering him for Bruce. Sure. Lee. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you watch them side by side, and you're like, oh. Wow, of course, this dude's got range. Sure, you know, I yeah, mean, he just really pulls it off. So, you know, I just have a really soft spot um, in, in terms of all the movies I've ever watched in my life. I just yeah. really like Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. This is this is a, a, an unexpected diversion, but I think in this moment I would make a case for when it comes to Batman. I think the obvious choices are the ones that never really work. I think the ones where people say, because here's what I'm thinking of. People would say, ridiculous Michael Keaton Batman, but now we love it. People, sure. people would say, uh, they said of Heath Ledger prior to seeing the performance, oh, why Heath Ledger for Joker? It's ridiculous. Right. I heard lots of broke back Batman comments, you know. And so there's that. Um, and then we all remember Batfleck. When people were like, sure, "Oh sure. yeah, look, it's not going to work," and then coming right. out of Batman versus Superman, that was that and Wonder One Woman. A few bright spots. Th- yeah, everybody was praising those performances. Um, I but- tried to get us to cover that for. <laughs> just- <laughs> I shot that down. Veto power. But but then you get a seemingly obvious choice. You get a well. Well, I shouldn't say obvious choice. You get a choice that people are much more on board and excited for, like a Jared Leto Joker. And you see what we get. 
Like initially, were, they, were the people ever really excited? For the, the, the executives the, were. Well, the the circles that I ran in were like, oh, because they're coming off a of Dallas Buyers Club, and sure, they were like, sure. oh, it's going to be great. This is the perfect person right. to carry the torch for it. And then we see it, and we're like, something has Stop something has gone. Friends, just kidding. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Um, but no, well, but I, I think even to to uh, Lido feels like a very uh, uh, lightning rod example. But even substantiating your point, like at the time, a Clooney would have felt like a sure bet. Oh, you know, sure. Like, right, right. Like, not so much as in he fits that role perfectly, but as in, in terms of just casting. Sure. Who doesn't want George Clooney on their bill? Right. You know? Of course. Uh, even Kilmer. Like, mm-hmm. these are safe choices. Sure. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, Keaton, I imagine, was not a safe choice. Right. Um, I, I didn't actually do enough digging. I, I am compelled and interested in doing that now to know kind of what those conversations look like. All that to say, starting my likes, dislikes list off with, I just, I just adore. He, he has... Which, again, if you've ever watched Beetlejuice, you know this. But even if you just watched the two Batmen of, with him in isolation, his capacity to switch on and off the comedy mm. uh, in, in a way that's not showy. You know, I mean, he, he deli- his line deliveries on some of those more comedic bits are just great. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. So, yeah, that's I've got a kind of a laundry list on likes, dislikes. Uh, have have so at I it. I don't know. I have a couple. And there are, in fact, some dislikes, so it's not all uh, praise here. Um, if you hit on one of mine, I'll just insert and, and echo it. So one thing, I, one thing I am enjoying in this Burton retrospective, if you will, is, and I, t- I talked to you about this before we actually began recording these episodes, I don't know that I would have recognized until we were doing this just how much those early Burton films how much affection I have for them, how much I can point back to that era and just say, oh, wow, those really did have a strong impact on sure. my, not expression or sort of artistry or anything like that, but just like, you know, I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Right, That right. is like, my brother and I can quote that back and forth to this day. Sure, you sure. Know? I adore the first Batman. I love Beetlejuice. We will talk about it. You will hear me gush about that movie. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I like Batman Returns, um, but just how, uh, and, and part of that where, okay, I'm connecting the dots in my head in real time here. Where I'm going with that is that Danny Elfman score. Oh, yes. You know, like yes. you start a Burton Batman flick and that score kicks in and you're like, oh, this is just like a yes. warm bath. You know, it's so comforting yeah. and feels so pleasant. And would you know, uh, well, maybe you don't know, and I, shoot, I should look it up because I don't remember the percentage. Batman Returns has a sizable percentage more score in it than any any other modern film. Like, it's it's one of those things where I think it, it's, it's almost got a wall-to-wall score. Mm. And, uh, and I would have to look it up because I, I, this is echoing in the recesses of my trivial knowledge, but I can't remember exactly what the percentage is or something like that. Most films, you know, uh, t- hour and a half to two hour runtime are going to have, you know, 45 to 50 minutes of, of that be score. But I think of of the two hours and seven minutes, I think like two hours and three of it are underscored with something. Wow. It's it's nearly a wall-to-wall score. But yes, Danny Elfman's compositions are, are brilliant. Yeah, just, so just when that opening credit sequence begins and that score kicks in, you're like, okay. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah for me, yeah. again, I, I actually don't love Batman Returns, but just that feeling, you're like, I'm, I'm plugged in. I'm going to go for the ride here. Yeah. Um, it just really does a lot of fun. Uh, Christopher Walken looks ridiculous. Yes, he does. He just does. He yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's a lot of fun. 
we didn't. I don't think we name dropped him last week, though we should have and will now. I mean, Stan Winston, who did Edwards Scissor Hands, sure, uh, also did Penguins Look, which is y- yes. great. Oh yeah, it's outstanding. Like, you could really screw that up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's such a specific character mm-hmm. that you could really go wrong very easily. Right. And he really pulls off. Yeah. I love Penguin's look. That that could almost go on the scares list. He looks so grotesque. Yeah. He's it, it's it's a uh, it's fascinating because you go from like the Burgess Meredith style sure. penguin. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is still sort of refined. He's got the long nose, yeah. but you know, it's still it, it it's a regal sort of appearance to DeVito's penguin, which is yeah, I mean, he's disgusting. I mean, it's it's Well, but what I think is interesting about and and this is a half-formed thought, so maybe maybe I'll, I'll I'll challenge it myself when it comes out. Like, other than the eccentricities of how he, of the performance, like, you know, his his dietary habits and things like that, and and some of the violence he perpetrates, the look alone could actually work in a pretty serious mm. Batman kind of expression. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, it may be a little asynchronous, but you could almost see that look in the kind of Nolan verse if they'd gone yeah. that route. Which he, interestingly enough, said definitively said he would never, ever entertain sure. that. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a very stylized character. Sure, I mean, it, of course. It, it requires some 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 handling that I don't know that everybody just wants to do. Right. Um, which is why it sort of works for Tim Burton. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. This kind of grotesque, gothic figure. I wrote in all caps, Jan Hooks. Do you know what I'm talking about? She's the, in this movie, she is who gets her nose bitten off. She doesn't get the nose bitten off. She's there. Oh, she, right. Yes. The, the, dude, the dude gets his nose bitten yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, that's her. But that, yeah, and, and you know what's funny is that when you said that name, I remembered it, but I couldn't remember who right, she was in the film. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Who is she in the film again? Because I because I just couldn't remember right. where she had shown up. Because she shows up for like a scene, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm really surprised. So when she <laughs> when she showed up, I was like, oh, is she going to be in it a little more? No, right. it's the scene. Yeah. And then I said, Adobe. Yeah, I know. So the, so the glazed look on my eyes was like, where was Jan Hooks in this movie? And you then just, I was you like, just oh, do that when I talk, period. So I just know I do. I, I, I sort of zone you at what? Huh? <laughs> so there's a lot of really great lines in this movie. There's a few clunkers. Uh, this seems a little random, but I'm going to get to the lines and quotes. Can I pause you real yeah, quick? Please. One of the I few. I want you to jump in. I know one I'm of the few. Going. One of the few likes dislikes I have is whatever other lines you're about to give. Yeah. One of the few likes dislikes I have is is penguins flurry of innuendo. Uh, like it's intense. It is to the degree. I mean, the most notable example is right. when he when he sees Catwoman. I almost don't want to repeat it. You, like you, well, you, probably, you don't have to for so, us. So, so yeah, the, let's just say cover your ears, listeners. Uh, no, no, no. But, but uh, I'm actually not going to. There's gonna a re- cat reference. Yes, there's a cat reference. The uh, listeners who watch the movie, like the, when he first sees your jaw will drop. That's the line we're referring. That's to. That's the line we're referring we're like, to. How did this make it past into the movie? Right, right, right. Yeah. But, but even it even, feels like it feels like one of those ad libs that happens just when the when the actors are playing and just right. sort of figuring it out, and they're like, no, we. 
let's keep it. Like, yeah. fine. Uh, we can justify are you it. sure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then um, another one that there's no winking at the audience at all, but he's like, I was their number one son, and they treated me like number two. And I would, uh, I'm just like, sure. I'm just like, yes. wow. Yes. And so, so you know, lines like that. I have, I have another uh, quote from Penguin that I'm actually going to bring back up in themes. But yeah, I'll just say like, just all the Penguin innuendo is just, uh, yeah. It's, well, it's abundant. we're talking about quotes here. One of my absolute favorites is after Bruce has intercepted the feed while he's given the speech and the audience turns on him. And, yeah. and he says, why is there always someone who brings eggs and tomatoes to a speech? Yes. I mean, that's yes. such a great because line. I, what's funny is I could I don't know if this was because I'd seen the film before and my memory was echoing it, but I remember thinking while I was watching that, I was like, holy crap, who brings all those vegetables to a thing? And then, and then he, and says, then he it. says it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's great. Well, and actually in the spirit of, of praising Michael Keaton... I think it, it. I don't know if it's when he first meets Selena or what. It, I think it's a little later, but it's in Bruce Wayne and Selena. Oh, scene. I know where you're going. I love. I it. mistook me for someone else. Yes. It's, I mean, it just I don't know. Like maybe maybe the the actor in me just envies and wonders. Could I do that? Like he he's just so good at not showing those lines. Right. Not playing oh, the cards. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Just, it's just natural. Uh, he just he gets the humor in a absolutely. really impressive way. Yeah, absolutely. Is there? Go ahead. I think this line actually is said. <laughs> the, I do think this movie some of the some of what is intended as maybe tone and humor borders on like okay this is stupid. Um, <laughs> for instance, I think this is a line. I wrote it down as a line uh, when Gordon is on on the TV with the giant evidence bag with the battering in it and says the <laughs> evidence is purely circumstantial. Is that an actual line or did I? I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I sometimes in my notes I'm like, am I writing that for me? Like, no, I'm I think somebody that? says it, but I can't remember okay. who says but it. But it's so funny. It's like, yeah. here's a giant bag with a battering in it. Yes, it's just circumstantial though. Um, maybe this is just the bat fan in me. And I remember last year when we talked about Snyder's Batman, you made a comment of how ultimately Batman can do anything, um, like to suit the writer's needs. Sure, of course. This is actually the opposite of that. I wrote, I love how years of training, at least at least our common understanding of Batman's development, which isn't really portrayed in Burton's films, but if you just sort of buy in, I love how years of training, honing one's body and mind, along with the finest gadgets money can buy, and Batman gets beat up by the by Catwoman the first go round. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's right. like. I'm a feminist, but I don't buy that. You know, it's like, it's like come on, come on. That's a little bit of a stretch for the secretary to suddenly, although that does get me back to another note, which is in the likes, dislikes. Is it a like? Is it a dislike? Who knows? What I wrote down is, so Selena comes back to life from kitty cat magic? Like, it's just like, okay. Right, you know? right, right, right. You just like sort of roll of, with it. Part of, right. Part of you could make the case if she hadn't fallen that far, like she right. hadn't actually died in some sort of Well, I don't thing. think she's died. And I think, so when I was watching this, and this is a stretch, it's still like kitty cat magic is she still dies. weird. Yeah. But, yes. well, but the thing is, <laughs> Don't dismiss me so outright. I just mean like no, she plummets from like... But they make a big deal in the shot about the fact that she hits six canvases going down and that would break somebody's fall. 
Yes, it's going to hurt. I love that you counted the number of canvases, but I can sort of see. You know, like see your point. Well, but that's the thing is because it's it's a shot. It stood out to me because it's not just this plummet. Right, right, and the right, thing right. it's a boom, 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 boom. You know, like right, right, right. That, that there's an audible sense could, to it. Okay, you know, okay. Don't dismiss me. I wasn't. I forgot <laughs> about the canvases, much less all six of them. So, so you win that one, Blackie. <laughs> We're getting punchier as these as these Burtons go along. What are you talking about? We're recording these over the course of a couple of weeks. That's right. Um, okay, I can sort of go with that. Nonetheless, <laughs> ostensibly, she sort of dies and kitty cat magic comes in. There's play. a definite, like, and to your point about the die and resurrection thing, she's no longer Selena Kyle after that moment. So, like, so I get, I get that. And, and somebody could take my, my, you know, counting of the canvases and does she really die or not and be like, there is such a hard line. She's no longer that person after that. You know, like she comes back and, and I mean, yeah, you could make the argument that like her psyche breaks and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a distinctive, the meek, modest, uh, Selena Kyle. Yeah. The mouse eaten by the cat, by the kitty cat magic, Uh, kitty cat magic. Oh, don't do that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, but that plays into how she beats up Batman, which is a bit of a stretch. Speaking of animal magic. I wrote down, so the penguins use their penguin magic to get penguin to the water posthumously. Yes, they you do. like all those peas? I, I like it. You're peeing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> this movie sort of invites that. Um, just all the animal imagery. But yeah, I just love, I love, like, in a, in a true sense. Like, I just love, it's like, oh, the, these penguins are just sort of, just sort of. Oh, yeah. Shuring him down to the water. Well, let's not forget. They raised him. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, like you're, you're, True. I had forgotten. How of, could I forget such a thing? You're kind of burying the lead on, on the fact, like, like, you know, it's like, like, oh yeah. I don't need to I know. I, like, I don't know. I believe the penguins could carry him. <laughs> After that, yeah. anything is possible like, in this city. I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah, so so Gotham... An- You're right. Yeah. I had forgotten that. That's a crucial point. Gotham animals are magic. Yes, like, that's they just, are. That's just what they, they are. are. So, yeah. Woo. I mean, just accept it. They're magic cats, magic penguins, magic bats, and... You're just the lackey I've been looking for. There we go. There we go. You like that? I do. I do. I love that the Batarang hits like four henchmen and then gets stopped by a poodle. Yeah. Well, hit, it's yeah. animal magic. It's animal magic. It's animal magic. The, the animal, don't mess that's, around with the animals know, in Gotham that's, City. That's, that's what that's, I'm discovering. Yes. Wow. My estimation of this is really rising right now. <laughs> like what, what Burton has really created is a, you know, a, a, a PETA poster movie. Yeah. The know? Secret Life of Pets. Right. Gotham yes, City. Yes, yes. Yes. Absolutely. If you, if you rewatch this movie and just view it as the animals caught in people world, it's, it's a whole different film. It's perfect. It's great. <laughs> I think that might be it for my likes dislikes. Okay, uh, it's a pretty pretty brutal ending and death scene for old Chris Walken. Yeah, the, well, and and that's another element. Like the 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 violence in general, while not graphic and gory, um, at least at least consistently graphic and gory. There's a couple of scenes. Um, 
the violence in general is is it's very sharp. It's very yeah, jarring. yeah. Like like Batman straps a bomb to a henchman and tosses him over the side. Like yeah. he's at least gonna get hurt, <laughs> if not blown to smithereens. Right, right, right. Um, and then it feels a little like Zack Snyder's Batman. Oh, really? <laughs> so, but then the like then you get you know all the stuff that Penguin did. Yeah, like uh, Max Shrek gets fried. Uh, it's on my scares legitimate jolt when I first saw it the whole like my nose could be gushing blood and then just chomp yeah that I mean that so it it is but not to mention the fact that like Selena Kyle gets pushed out a window the uh, the lady who lights the tree the you know so the emblem for the city she gets pushed off a roof and dies you know like there's there's a lot of of violence yes violence and death and destruction in the film Um, and uh, to, to a surprising number like I love the film. I can understand why McDonald's was kind of like, we can't sell Happy Meals on PG-13 Batman Returns. So Warner Brothers, make a change. That felt like a really jarring... You know, note to bring in there for a second. I was like, "What? Like, yeah, yeah, are we no, going no. with this?" But, but I don't. Uh, maybe should have. Be- hungry, right, right, right. You need to eat a nose or uh, raw fish. But, or but maybe should have belonged in trivial bits. But McDonald's was largely responsible for the killing of the Burton involvement in the franchise because they they like I'm not joking. Ronald McDonald is the Joker. Oh That's no, it. it's we all coming. It out. It's all coming together. Um, but the yeah that they they were. Essentially, like we can't sell Happy Meals on films like this because um, the kids are getting traumatized and whatever. Um, I'm and glad that Heath Ledger Joker McDonald's Happy Meal toy finally came out. I know, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's sitting on my mantelpiece. <laughs> right, you know? right. Um, but with yeah. real pencil eye stabbing action. <laughs> line up the henchmen. Right. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so I I can. In other words, what I'm saying is, grievous as I am, that we can't that we don't have a third Burton Batman film. If you're marketing Batman to kids, right, I, right. I I get it. Which is why, like, it's it kind of saddens me a little bit. Like, Nolan's trilogy uh, and, you know, the DC Universe, like, they're not they're not worrying about marketing to kids. Right, like, right, or at right. least at least that I've seen. No. They're, they're, they're well, going for it. You know, tangentially, maybe. Not like children. Right, right, right. Like kids. But like, yeah. you know, like early teens right, or, right, or right. like right preteen. Um, so, so, but yeah, in the, you know, 1992, they were trying to sell them to kids, kids and, um, and didn't, yeah, didn't play out. I love how hulking Max Shrek's son is next to him. It's like, I know, right? Like, it looks like they just cast some random bodybuilder guy. (laughs) Like, but he sounds like Christopher Walken. (laughs) He doesn't look like it. Not at all. Not at all. Um, So, scares. Okay, so, biggest thing that I have, aside from, it's on my scares list for the, my nose could be gushing blood, but the biggest thing that I have is the general look of most of the freaky clowns that come out in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, the the skull faces and all that, like, they're they're genuinely creepy. I found actually interesting, and again, you know, I did a little bit of reading, but not in-depth research, like... It almost it feels like a holdup. There's not much continuity in the Bat Burtons, right? Although I was impressed to realize on this rewatch that Vicky Vale is mentioned pretty, pretty directly, at least twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like those henchmen feel like the Joker gang type of characters. Sure, you yeah, know, and it yeah. was almost like in my in my little fan he- fan world, 
you know, these are holdovers from Joker's <laughs> reign of terror and, sure, and yeah. just tired them, you know, yeah, <laughs> whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever. Sure, sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, the sort of costume design was, was very, uh, very scary looking. Yeah, absolutely. What I wrote down is WTF baby Cobblepot eats a cat. Oh my gosh! Yeah, supposedly like the day after he was born. Where's your where's your cat magic there? Like, <laughs> like that poor that poor cat missed the mm. missed the training class to get right, his magic right. powers. Good lord! He's a domesticated cat. Oh, that's yeah. the problem. Right. It wasn't feral in the wild. Domestic cat. Um, <laughs> I see what you did. There. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was. Um, don't. Know I don't that. know if this is likes dislikes scares themes, but <laughs> show her my French flipper trick. <laughs> We're going to need a new section for the show. (laughs) Double entendres. Double entendres. uh, Made exclusively by Batman Returns. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Themes. We'll put that in themes. We'll leave it there. Oh, my gosh. That's that's what I got for scares. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, as we know, like, yes, it has... Uh, enough of connection to the horror genre for us to to feel comfortable and confident um, including it in this series but but yeah it's not a not a terribly scary movie now what I did find and you've mentioned a couple of times you know and I quote I don't love Batman Returns I would say that I do right. and and there are some things about it that we could get into with themes that um, I, I think there's a lot going on in this film uh, maybe connected to some stuff that might have been going on personally for Burton or maybe it, it just happens to be what he extrapolated from the metaphor of the character but um, but yeah there's a there's a wealth of things going on to me involving identity specifically about identity there was uh, when I first picked in this rewatch when I first picked up on I was like huh maybe maybe I could extrapolate a little thing about like identity or you know who you are and it started with uh, Penguin wanting to find his parents mm-hmm. want to know who I am you know <clears throat> so that's where it started but then as I'm watching the movie I'm like holy cow like it, it showed right, up right, several right. other places um an observation that was made, this is going to be a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, but an observation that was made to Tyler Smith that Tyler then shared with me, who couldn't remember the source, but I'm just going to pass it on down the line, um, that the three villains of the piece, Max Shrek, Penguin, and Catwoman, are mirrors of the three identities of Batman. That Max Shrek is the counterpoint to billionaire Bruce Wayne. Sure. That... Penguin is the counterpoint to Orphan, Orphan right. Bruce Wayne. And Catwoman is the counterpoint to Vigilante... Just, oh, well, right. <laughs> Counterpoint to Vigilante <clears throat> Batman. Sure. And that, that the entire film is kind of dancing with this notion of they went this way with their station in life. Right. Batman went this way with his station in life. And... And there's a line that Penguin said uh, that, I, that I held off to bring up to in themes. When they're wrestling and fighting towards the end, I think it's right before he makes the big blow where Penguin, you know, the, all of the Penguins are surrounding. He's usurped their strategy, and then he knocks Penguin down through. Uh, Penguin says to him, you're just jealous because I'm a genuine freak, and you have to wear a mask. Hmm. To which Batman replies, you may be right. Hmm. And I just, I, that's fascinating to me right it's fascinating this idea of like and and you know 
in in other Batman stories, Joker has said a similar thing of like, oh, you and I are the same. Right, right, you know? right. Uh, that, that gets played off a lot in Batman's rogues gallery stories. Um, but the other thing that I really played with a lot is the fact that Bruce Wayne has the hots for Selina Kyle and they're Batman and Catwoman. And so they intersect in these different ways. But Selina Kyle said a line to Alfred when Batman bows out on their little right. dinner date, which I have another comment on that in a second. But when Batman bows out on her dinner date, she says to Alfred, and she's trying to come up with an excuse, just tell Bruce, uh, you know, tell Bruce. And this is what she finally says. Tell Bruce, he makes me feel the way I hope I really am. Hmm. And I was like, dang. Like, it's, it, it, it just continues to be sure. all over this. When they realize who each other is at the <clears throat> at the dinner party. Yeah, that's great. Or at the dance. And then she's like, do we have to start fighting now? Right. Yeah, you know, great, like, great is, this, is this identity that we're stuck into, is that... All there is. All there right, is, right. you know? And, no, and, and I want to be measured here. I I knew your affection on the rewatch and going into the conversation. Partly, I just wanted to sort of temper a little bit, but I I I think my sort of it would take a lot for this to come out of the shadow of the Joker eighty nine Batman. You know, I do see what you're driving at, um, and and can sort of kind of go with you there because the, one of the only thematic notes I made was um, sort of actually this sort of integration of self idea, this setting aside of dualities, um, which, which is in the DNA of the Batman character. Sure. You know, that, that Batman Bruce Wayne, is he, is he Bruce who dresses up as Batman? Is he Batman who dresses up as Bruce? Kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. But see, this is why what you just said is why I would challenge, and maybe you didn't mean it, this directly or strongly, but like you made the comment of Selena dies when she falls out. Like, I don't think that I think mm. yes, a corner turns in her psychologically. Sure. But because of scenes like the discovery of each other's selves, like right. to me, that is, that's the, tr- and, and because of the line to Alfred, he makes me feel like I really am or, or want to really uh, be yeah, or something like that. It's he makes me feel the way I hope I really am. Right. To me, yeah. that speaks. So, so, um, I think that's the strength. One of the strengths of this movie is in the realization of some, a couple of these characters. She being one of them, mm-hmm. like, you know, there are three identities to her. There's meek, mild, beaten down, Secretary Selena, there is a fully realized opposite end of the spectrum Catwoman. Sure. And then there's attempting to be a whole person, you know, post uh, plummet. Right. Six right. canvases. Um, <laughs> uh, That's Selena. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a different sort of character. I think it's again spokes on a wheel. But I, I'm with you. I think, I think the movie is about this dualistic kind of idea to the point. You, you brought up specifically the orphan nature of Penguin. And on this viewing, you're, you're so... Um, because these movies, especially by these movies, I mean like blockbusters, like especially the superhero type, paint and broad brushes, we're not used to a lot of shading. Sure, right. Um, to the point that I was sort of surprised at how empathetic Penguin is initially. Like, you actually think we're used to questioning the motive. And... 
when he posits a desire to meet his parents, right. I actually think that's a real desire of the character. Mm, okay. As opposed to what normally that might be, which is um, just just a ploy to, right. to attain right. X, Y, or Z. I think ultimately what my prattling is trying to land at is, is agreement with your thematic ideas you're pulling out. And in fact, it's really interesting. A minute ago when you were conveying uh, uh, third-hand the... the the notion of Catwoman, Shrek, Penguin, all as uh, manifestations of different parts of Bruce. What I had in my head and what I thought, man, this would have been really cool. There's no way a studio at that time would have gone with this. But but actually fits in with some 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 bat, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of like kind of Grant Morrison type Batman storytelling, is what if Batman Returns, if you, if you, if you commit to that notion... Sure. All of these are kind of expressions. Right. Um, what if it had ended with kind of a, you know, Bruce with a snow globe? Like you pan out. I'm using oh, the same oh, kind of idea, okay, yeah. but like all the action of the film has been in a, yeah, in yeah. a, a microcosm. Just kind of ponders. Mm. Maybe it's immediately after the events of the Joker stuff. I don't know. Sure. I just thought, yeah, yeah. like that image came to me when you were describing that. Oh, okay. Like you really sure. commit to this sort of psychological examination right. of Bruce Wayne while still using existing imagery like Catwoman, like Penguin. Right, we are used to and can glom onto. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I totally agree. And um, what's funny is, uh, like, I think the easy thing to say is just there is there is a part of our identity which is simply rooted in who we're framed to be, and then there's another element to our identity that is utterly rooted in choice. So. Someone could say orphan, you know, and then you get Bruce Wayne's experience and you get Oswald Cobblepot's experience. But, I, you know, like when he that's that's another thing that stood out to me really big is like so he's supposedly on this quest to find his name. And he's like, no, I am not the penguin. I'm Oswald Cobblepot. That's my name. And then right before the big climax fight at the end. He tears off all of the clothes and everything. After the the big uh, Batman hijacks his press conference, then he tears off his clothes and he's like, "No, I am Penguin, cold blooded. I'm an animal," right. you know. And um, so you know, clearly calling out that this is who I really am. This is what I really am. And I think that I, I mean, identity is a tremendous subject for people to try to wrap their heads around. Like believers are constantly saying, I, I, I get mildly frustrated by this, but believers are constantly saying, well, you have to find your identity in Christ. Right, right. True. I agree. Can we for a minute figure out what you mean by that? Sure. Like, like, sure. like, like true. Instead of just parroting. Right, right, right. sort of thing. True. And I agree. But can we talk about what that practically lays out too, you know, and, and then that gets into a broader element of identity, even in social con contexts or genetic contract contexts. I don't know why I can't say the word context very easily, but <clears throat> the idea of, you know, uh, are we, what we do? I am a, this job, I am a writer, I am a uh, salesperson, I am a uh, you know repairman, I am a whatever it is. And, and I am a C-H. Yes, I am a C-H-R. I, I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, but, but what do you mean? <laughs> but 
Um, so, so is it rooted in what we do? Is it rooted in we talked in uh, I believe in our conversation about seven um, uh, several, a few weeks ago at this point, where we were talking about the notion of like people want to write off whole cloths of human beings and just compartmentalize them out as hey they are this thing and then mm-hmm. just dismiss them as right. that. Well, now you, so that's still rooted in what you do. So you are rooted in your transgression or you are rooted in your accomplishment or, or, or whatever. And, um, at that, at that, uh, masquerade dance where Selena and Bruce are sans masks and they're look, they're dancing with each other. And he discovers that she intends to kill Max Shrek. And he says to her, Bruce says to her, who do you think you are? But she says back to him, I don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, playing on this whole like, it, it, I almost walked out of this film thinking like Batman Returns is a thematic treatise on what is identity and sure. what what makes you know what makes you who you are. Right. Um, and I think that the the imperative thing for us is I don't know that we can see this. This is a tough one for me at sitting here in this moment. I don't know that it's easy or even possible to make very many declarative, definitive statements of this is who I am. Right. About about anything. You could look at your element of, you could look at the element of your faith. You could look at your element of uh, your actions and your choices, your station in life, you know, whatever it is. But I don't know that it's entirely possible to, to definitively hammer down this is who I am, but what is entirely possible is to define what you're going to pursue, what you're going to chase after right, in right. in your endeavors, regardless of who you are. Sure. And I think that you know whether is your are your choices your identity is your history your identity all of those kinds of things. I think what is the point? I'll say it this way: Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton, who I love and who I quote frequently, had uh, an essay he wrote about the chicken and the egg. He said, people will argue much ado about which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's the age-old philosophical argument. But he said, we will continually debate about which came first while ignoring which comes last. And he said this, he said, apart from the delicacies of the breakfast table, there is no purpose for an egg but to produce a chicken. Mm-hmm. That's the point of an egg is to is to like chicken is the end. Right. That's what that's what you're going for. And so what he is basically saying is we are constantly getting stuck in the mire of what caused this. Right. Right. Instead of what are we pursuing? Sure. What it, what are the ends? Well, because also I don't know if you are interested in feedback, but oh, please. Um, one, to reframe Chesterton's quote for our context, which came first, the bat or the Bruce. But um, I do think I am sympathetic to and understand what you mean in terms of, okay, can we get so mired in pursuit of identity? Uh, instead, let's pursue a thing. Because I think what you pursue is and can be reflective of what you value. And what you value is an indicator of identity on a certain level. Right. Right. I'm not saying they're, you know, one naturally leads to the other, which naturally leads to the third. Like it's not that succinct and sure. easy. Right. But I do think what, what you esteem, what your ambitions reveal, what you actively then put hands to mm-hmm. 
in pursuing just says a lot about you. Whether, right. whether, whether you might be confused about who you are or not, it will be an indicator. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right, make a list of, okay, what would I go after? What, what do I want to see occur in the world? Right. In my world, in my neighbor's world, in the, the greater, wider world, that will be revelatory mm-hmm. of that identity, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. That was just something I thought that came yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that in because we can maybe with an eye towards winding down just the sure. the idea of um, we can and I mean gosh th- this shows up I think frequently in Burton's work in general is the idea of out of place in the world around you right and 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 not synchronous with with the environment in which you find yourself in. And uh, I think that if we're if we're having the conversation, because last week we talked quite a bit about Edward Scissorhands, you know, and I, and I, I got a little emotional about the notion of uh, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing and, it, and I just I, I, I can't do this thing. I can't accomplish this. Uh, we'll take that into Batman Returns and take like everything that these people want to do is laid out ahead of them. Like Catwoman can do whatever she wants to do. Batman or can Batman can do whatever he wants to do. Penguin can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish, and Max Shrek can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. Like those, they're they're not incapacitated by their abilities. It's their choices for what they choose to sure. to go after that that determine, or how they choose to go after it exactly yes. that determines what direction they're going to go. And I think both play an important role in understanding. Um, yeah, the, the posture and position that you hold in the world. And I think that the imperative then is for us to be mindful of, recognize, and acknowledge what are our limits, capabilities, if we were going back to last week, and then uh, what are our pursuits? What, what, what am I after? What, mm-hmm. what do I want in life? And I think that is so hard for people to define sometimes. Sure. Like people will say they want happiness, but do they even really know what's going right. to make them happy? Right. I mean, that's the age-old thing. Like I got what I thought was going to make me happy, and I'm not happy, and I don't right. understand. Right. You know. Um, so, so I think giving some time and attention to just what do you what do you want to pursue, and then you know be attentive to those ends and and those means. The scripture verse that I had is uh, very simple. First Timothy chapter six. Uh, verse beginning at verse 11 it says but you man of god flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses now that's obviously in a in an explicitly faith perspective but that idea of uh, fighting the good fight. Uh, even I would add to this conversation in light of this scripture, even if winning is not certain, mm-hmm. even if uh, you're not quite sure of what the outcome is going to be, continue to pursue what you know to be you know, good and true and right and, and pure, not self-centered, not self-motivated, uh, not trying to, pu- not trying to pursue something that's going to just allow you to hoard back into yourself, but pursuing right. things that's going to foster and produce and further 
goodness in your life and the lives of those around you. Um, so yeah, you, you choose who you, you choose what you want to pursue. I was about to say you choose who you are, but uh, you choose what you want to pursue regardless of who you are. Right. Regardless of your station, you may have been given a bum deck. Like you, you may have been given a really short hand, and you can still, even in that, even in that uh, station, pursue good and true and right and and good things. Sure. sure. Um, I'm not going to get into a conversation about how obtainable those things are because that's a different conversation. But what you pursue is is up to you at any right at any right, station right. in any place sure. um some people have more obstacles than others but we all have a choice for what we're going to chase and what we're going to pursue yeah. um and so yeah i'd love to be batman <laughs> wouldn't we all what's that old joke that there's that's an old joke that they say that uh my boss told me to dress for the job i want not the job i have so now i'm in hr dressed as batman that's funny, <laughs> that's funny. But, um, um, well, shall we shall we usher in Mr. Pumpkins? Let's do it. So every film that we talk about, we rate these on a metric of David S. Pumpkins. Uh, you know by now what that entails, that style, that scares, that substance. Uh, Scary Burton Christmas, installment number two. We are looking at Batman Returns from 1992. I'm going to start with style. I, I love it. I love I love this movie. For me... Style is going to land at a at a four point five. I think it's I think it's really very strong. I would need to watch them back to back, but I think at this moment in time, I would say I prefer Batman Returns to the original Batman. You're a heretic. I know. Um, well, for myself, I would position Style on this one for a three point five. All right. Um, you know, I have such a fondness and warmth for the eighty nine one, and and that carries into this. It, it it does not quite rise to where you're at, uh, but but it's strong. Um, and then what would you say for scares? On um, this one? I bet two and a half, two point five. I do think the kind of gothic grotesque imagery is strong. And, sure, and right, right, is right. Effective. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing like scary. To right, it. right, right, right. But but I also wonder is that just we're used to kind of the Batman iconography, and so right, so it's not freaky to us. Right. I, I guarantee you, right now, if I show that movie to my son, sure. he's going to get freaked sure. out. Yeah, and um, I have a lot of questions that you don't want to answer. Yes. <laughs> Every time Penguin opens his mouth, right, 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 right. Daddy, what's this <laughs> what mean? mean? Nope, nope, son. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm in a similar boat, but I'm gonna land slightly higher. I'm gonna give it a three. Mm. Uh, again, I'm mostly giving it a three for sort of the the gothic and grotesque imagery, mm-hmm. um, less the the fright or startles, as it were. For substance, uh, I mean the identity conversation. I'm not dismissing it as just because it's about identity and many other things are about identity that that's going to ding it down. But I do think there's a lot there, and I think Batman as a character is a wonderful template to explore that subject in, right. uh, which I think uh, Burton did very effectively. So I'm going to land on four for substance. I, I chose a three for substance. Um, I, I do think it's there, sort of like what you were just describing. I think a lot of that is inherent to the character itself. Um, and so the movie just kind of plays with those notions in a, in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it advances that conversation in a real substantial way as much as just sort of engaging it. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. 
Um, so all of that having been said, that brings us to a whopping six and a half out of ten. David S. Pumpkins for good old Batman Returns. Six and a half. Six and a half feels right. I almost wish it was like an uptick into seven, but but that's, uh, that's okay. But uh, <laughs> but no, I uh, but yeah, six and a half out of ten. David S. Pumpkins for us for Batman Returns. Uh, yeah, I uh, I actually really want to watch this movie like right now. I would pop it on and uh, maybe we'll watch the first Batman. That would be that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, see if it see how I feel about them in in tandem in close proximity. But as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. If you'd like to continue this conversation about Batman or about any of the identity or any of the other things that we've talked about, then you can do so in a variety of ways. Easiest and best way is on Twitter. Nathan, our Twitter handle? At the fear of God. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. Nathan, where can they follow you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can also email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on this post or any of the other official posts for our episodes. And last but certainly not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Uh, Nathan. Read. So... Batman. Batman buddy. Returns. We, we, scary Burton Christmas. Scary two. Burton Christmas, man. Batman Returns. But as we as the holidays approach, um, we have another installment next week for you that is probably the most obvious and appropriate of a... a, a that's right. Of a uh, podcast dealing uh, around Christmas time with the intersection with uh, faith and the horror genre. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say it. We won't leave you in suspense. Go ahead and uh, pull out your old... Uh, Blu-rays or digital copies uh, or find it on streaming uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Not directed by Tim Burton, but still Burton enough that it it undeniably counts. So, yeah. And guys, between now and then, don't forget if you do have to attend a speech to be sure to bring your eggs and tomatoes. Until then, we're reading Nathan and we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.